highest of heights to the depths of the it says in verse 3, Then Jonathan and David, they made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. I love that. It's just, it repeats it again. There's a real special bond between these two guys. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David with his armor, his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And this kind of uh, a giving of, of Jonathan's robe and his armor was a very, was a thing of great honor to the recipient. All exclaiming in his Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The lesson in Chapter 18 of 1 Samuel centers around the relationship and covenant between Saul's son Jonathan and David. The way most people think, Jonathan was the one who had the most to fear from David's success. Yet, he loved David because of what they had in common and that they both had a real relationship with the Lord God that was bigger than any differences they had. The two men were each on track for the same throne, yet from the beginning they made a covenant of friendship that would prove stronger than jealousy, than envy, than ambition. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. We don't get into relationships so that we can get something. That's a very selfish kind of love. And that's the love that the world knows very well. And that's the world, that's the kind of love that the world is accustomed to. But biblical Christian love is self, it's, it's selfless. And it's serving. It's serving someone else's needs, not your own. And if you're the type of person where you're always looking, what can I get out of this? If I don't get anything out of this, I'm gone. You're going to be a lonely person. Because that's not what love is. And I would encourage you to ask the Lord, to pray, to say, Lord, change my heart if that's the deal. Because it's not all about you. But here's the, here's the wonderful mystery about friendship, the wonderful mystery about love, is that when you give yourself away to serve someone else, chances are they're going to do the same thing. But it may have to start with you. And most people aren't willing to start. They're willing to wait and receive. But it has to happen. Both. Does that make sense? And, and we're going to see that tonight in the life of Jonathan. In fact, we'll see that as we get through the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to see Jonathan and David, these two men who really loved each other, and they were great friends. They were great friends. But we're also going to see the great treachery between David and Jonathan's father, Saul. And obviously the verses that I spoke to you were concerning Jesus Christ. He laid down his life for us. Greater love has no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did. But also when we look at uh, David and Jonathan, they were, they were, they were two um, kindred spirits. 
We learned in chapter 14 of, of how Jonathan willingly laid down his life as he went after a Philistine regiment, him and his armor bearer, just the two of them, going up against many. And so we see that he was willing, by faith, to lay down his life as a sacrifice for his brethren, for even for his father, the king, but for the children of Israel. Proverbs 18, there's a wonderful verse, verse 24, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And even though David had brothers, they were really not his friends. David's brothers were more antagonists than anything else, but, but Jonathan, the, the son of the king, the heir apparent to the throne, when David began to become popular, it would be very natural for Jonathan and David to be like water and oil because David was rising in popularity and Saul was decreasing and Jonathan was the heir apparent to the throne. And you would think that Jonathan would be, feel very threatened by David. And that is normally the case, and, and that is the majority of relationships in the world. Under those circumstances, there's bitterness, hatred, jealousy, suspicion. So with that in mind, let's read the first 17 verses, 16 verses. First Samuel 18, it says, Now when he had finished, uh, and this is coming right off the heels of David slaying Goliath, and Saul just kind of like, who is this young man? Saul certainly knew who David was because David had been playing the harp or the lyre before Saul as he would have these attacks of the enemy or these, the evil spirit from God coming upon him. And David would play, and, and certainly Saul knew him, but he didn't know him really well. He was just a, a boy, young man. He really didn't look too much into his, who's your family, who's your dad. There wasn't a whole lot of that. It was just he was there for a purpose, because David was very obscure at this time. And so when David kills Goliath, and he comes before Saul, immediately after that, he's like, okay, now, whose son are you? <laughs> And David says in the very last verse of chapter 17, he says, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. And so now we pick up in chapter 18. It says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And so Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. And so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also the sight of Saul's servants. Now it came to pass, as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And so the women sang as they danced, and this is their song. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens thousands. And then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have only ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the, day, on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the, inside the house. 
And so David played music with the hand, with his hand, as at other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. And therefore, Saul removed him from his presence, made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel loved David because he went out and came in before them. What an amazing uh, situation that David finds himself here, uh, going from obscurity, uh, keeping the sheep out in the field, now being in the king's presence and playing the guitar, so to speak, to minister to Saul. Let's go back to verse 1 here. This is a, a wonderful story of a number of things. Again, friendship and treachery. Friendship between David and Jonathan and treachery between Saul and David. Not from David's part, but from Saul's part. But notice it says that when he had finished speaking to Saul, Jonathan's listening to David speak to his father. And, and David, as each, each word that David is speaking, Jonathan's just going, man, this guy, I love this guy. And you know, it's amazing that there have been commentators who actually, very liberal commentators, who would like to incorporate homosexuality here. Can you believe that? The thought never entered my mind, but there are those who say, you know, that David somehow had this intimate relationship with Jonathan. And, I, and, I, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? Where There's something really wrong, <laughs> you know, with that. Because it is possible for brothers in Christ to love each other. To really love each other because they care about each other. It's a different kind of love, obviously. It's not an eros kind of love like a husband and wife would have, you know, with a physical attraction. It's just, you know, he saw qualities in David. He's like, it was, it was like his, his twin brother in a sense. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Has anybody kind of spoke to you that way? Maybe you've had a best friend who was like that. It's very rare, I think. I don't think it's really common for this kind of thing to happen, but it happened here. But notice it says that when, uh, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the Saul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This word knit is a really interesting word. It literally means to tie, and, and, and physically to gird, or, or even mentally in love, and in, in a league with one another. They had a bond together that was very strong. Jonathan and David, kindred spirits. Men who were both men of faith. Jonathan exemplified his faith in chapter 14. We saw that. And certainly David was just uh, coming right from the battle with the Philistine. And the whole army with the Philistines. So Jonathan's looking at him and going, you know, this guy is just like me. It's like, I just, he's got the same heart, the same vision, the same everything. It's just like, Jonathan was just like, this guy is amazing. I can serve a guy like that. I can, I can serve under a guy like that. I'd be glad to be in his army. And see, that's what real faith does. Real faith encourages people to greater faithfulness. 
That's why Saul was such a disappointment, because there was not a whole lot of faith in Saul. There, was, there were not a whole lot of examples of faith in his life for his guys around him, the whole army, to stand up and say, we will fight with you to the very end. We'll do anything for you. I mean, David even had men at one time, later on we'll read about it, where he was in a hold, I think he was in Adullam's cave, and he's like, oh, if I could just have some water from the, from the, you know, from the stream in Bethlehem. And three of the men broke through the lines of the Philistines and brought him a cup of water from that very stream or from that well. That's, that's what love does. It, it's a little reckless. It, it's not even considered, uh, considering itself. And really, that's what love is. That's what faith is. That's what love is. Real love is willing to lay it all on the line. You know, and some people today, I hate to say it, but there's a, a lot of people today, because they've been hurt in the past, they've built this fortress around their heart, and they let nobody in any longer. And unfortunately, they die old people. They get old and they die, and they're still lonely because they're never willing to be broken again. You know, it's a funny thing about love, isn't it? You got to be vulnerable, but being vulnerable, there's a risk involved. It's like your whole self, your whole being is on the line, and you're entrusting someone, someone else, to take care of that and to not betray that. And when it is betrayed, it's one of the greatest hurts that we'll ever know. And many of you, perhaps all of us in this room, know that. If you've ever had a first love, you know the pain and the deep heart heartache that that is. But this kind of friendship between David and Jonathan, it is rare. And as the age progresses, our age progresses, it's getting even more rare because Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Why? For men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money and boasters, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. All they do is think about themselves. It's all about me. It's all about my needs getting met. It's not about what can I do to give. Boy, our world is so messed up. Do you know that our world is messed up? Can I get an amen? amen. It is. It's completely void of real, what real biblical love. And see, that's why it's important that we abide in these things, that we abide in Christ. Because when we abide in his love, it's going to be demonstrated through our life, not only to the people that we're closest to, but for those who don't know. They need to see it because love needs to be seen. It can't just be heard. It can't just be heard. Anybody can say, I love you. But then to go and do the dishes, to take out the laundry, to mow the grass without having to have your wife pester you, you do it just because it, it, that's your lie. That's what you need to do. She's got other things to do, but... So I'll, I'll digress. I, I won't go any further. <laughs> Notice in verse 1 that Jonathan loved him. In the Hebrew language... The word love, there's only one word for love, and it's ahav. Ahav, that's where we get the ahava products in the Dead Sea. It's called love. One word, love. And that word, love, covers all the different kinds of love. You love your dog. You love your wife. You love eating falafel. You love your chariot. And we all know in context that those are very different kinds of love. You love your daughter. In Hebrew, there's just one word. In the Greek, there's several. There's storge, there's agape, agapeo, there's uh, phileo, and there's eros for the kind of just sexual love, the lust. 
In English, we use the word love, but in context, we know what it means. When I say I love my, you know, I, you know, I love my guitar, and I love my wife, and I love my daughter, and I also like French burnt peanuts, you know that obviously there's a difference in context. You know my, the difference between that love. Notice in verse 2, it says, So Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his home, to his father's house anymore. David was to serve in a more permanent fashion rather than his prior appointment as Saul's musician, in a sense. It says in verse 3, Then Jonathan and David, they made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. I love that. It's just, it repeats it again. There's a real special bond between these two guys. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David with his armor, his sword, and his bow and his belt. And this kind of uh, a giving of, of Jonathan's robe and his armor was a, very, was a thing of great honor to the recipient because Saul is the king's son. And Saul's son, Jonathan, is basically saying, you deserve the right that I have. Now, the, the kingship was never to continue on in Benjamin. Certainly not. Saul was the only one. It was supposed to go through Judah, through David. But, but at that time, Jonathan was the heir apparent. And he says, you know what? I'll gladly submit to you, David. And can you imagine what that did to Saul as David is, or, you know, Jonathan's there and the three of them are there and he just takes off his, his robe his, and he gives it to him. And it's like his personality. He's giving his person to David. That's really what it is. It's a very high honor to do that. In fact... Jonathan would gladly yield the throne to David. And he even said that as much. And later on, as we get in about five more chapters, Jonathan's going to say, it says that Jonathan's son arose. This is First Samuel 23, verse 16. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and he went to David in the woods and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. And I love this guy, Jonathan. He wasn't a, a power-hungry individual. He was like, I just want to serve you, David. I want to serve the Lord as I serve you. And I'll protect you. I'll, keep, I'll give you intelligence on what my dad is doing. He's put a contract out on your life. <laughs> all the videos and the cameras. I'll erase all the tape, David. I'll shut off the power to those cameras as you walk by. We're going to see this development in their friendship as we go on. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, especially difficult times. It's easy to love somebody when things are going well. But remember, as you said your vows, guys and ladies, when, you're, when you stood at the altar to, to love you through sickness and in health, richer or poor, till death do you part. Those are vows that we made before God. And yet so easily today, people forget about them because it's no longer fitting to them anymore. It's no longer convenient. In Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Sometimes blood will betray you where somebody who doesn't have any relationship to you will be your closest ally. Isn't that true? There's that phrase, blood flows thicker than water. Sometimes 
It's the people not in your family that's closest to you. It's somebody who's outside of your family. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, this is um, the record after Saul had died in battle. David writes a song called the Song of the Bow, and in it he says this. He says, Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. And I love David, the fact that he could, he could bestow such honor and, and love for even Saul, who was the one who was hunting him for 15 years. After he was anointed by Samuel, some 15 years goes by, and he's running around in a cave trying to avoid this madman. And yet his son was his closest confidant. And then he goes on in verse 25 of that same chapter. He says, How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. You loved, your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Surpassing the love of women. And again, no funny weirdness here. This is just true love for a human being. I love that. It's rare. I hope as a church we can foster those kinds of relationships. It may not be as deep as David and Jonathan, but to be able to trust one another, to earn that trust. Trust is earned, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. You don't just trust somebody automatically. You trust somebody little by little. You tell them something that's intimate to you, and you find that they keep their mouth shut, and they don't tell everybody. You don't find it on the prayer chain the next day. In some churches, that's a real problem. Gossip kills churches all the time. People have been hurt so badly. But notice in verse 5, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. In other words, he prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war. So now he's the commander of the army. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. The whole army, the whole nation now is looking at David with just like stars in their eyes. I mean, this guy is really a good example. And David didn't take it to heart. He still was very humble in his heart. That's probably one of the things that made him such a great king. He didn't see himself as all of that. He was just doing his normal business. One day he's knocking out a, a lion in the, in, the, in the sheepfold. The next day he's taking out Goliath. <laughs> but David prospered. And here's the secret because the Spirit of God was upon him. And Saul set him over the men of war because by this time they had a great esteem for David. It was David that led them in the victory, not only against Goliath, but also the Philistines. And it was his courage, David's courage and his valiance that they could muster behind. They could surely know that he was the king and they lost their confidence in Saul. And either way, Saul knew that he could use David as long as he could. Saul was going to use David for his own ends until he could either kill David himself, as we will see, or he could lead him in enough battles where the, the enemies would do it for him. Saul didn't care how it got done. I'm sure he would prefer that he, David would just go to the battle with the Philistines and a report would come back and say, you know, David was killed in battle. Oh, that's so horrible. That's, that's man, that's just horrible. What's for lunch? That's kind of Saul's attitude. He wants to kill him. Either way, he thought he could. Or that the enemies of God could do the job for him, but God. 
God anointed him. And I love this. The fact that God anointed him and he wouldn't be coronated king for another 15 years. Whether David or Saul knew it or not. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.